0: Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. Stand up for your country. So I'm conflicted about the Taiwan situation with Pelosi. I had a long discussion on the Sean Hannity radio program today. We posted that on BillOReilly.com. Easy to find. You don't have to be a premium member. You just go in and listen to it. Um, On the one hand, you can't back down from the Chinese. I know that. Everybody should know that. Can't let them push the USA around. On the other hand, why the deuce did she go over there in the first place? I don't know. I know what she says, but eh, you know, it doesn't seem like it was necessary. And the downside might be a lot bigger than the upside. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points Memo. So she leaves today, less than 24 hours. Uh, after she landed in Taipei, the capital of Taiwan. All right, she's out of there, short trip. And uh, the Taiwanese president, uh, Xi In-wen, says, yeah, we we loved the visit, it was great. Pelosi's uh, office says, we discussed how America and Taiwan can deepen our economic ties, further strengthen our security partnership, and defend our shared democratic values. But this isn't Pelosi's job. That's not what she does. That's what the State Department and the president do, not Pelosi. Pelosi runs the House of Representatives. So why the deuce would she over there? Again, I don't want to be repetitive, but that's not enough when you know you're going to exacerbate bad relations between China and the USA. Now, some people don't care. Some people say, oh, we got to get these Chinese. and But in the, in the face of a, a shaky economy, a big inflation where... China's our biggest economic partner. Do we really want to annoy them, go out of our way to annoy them? Does that make sense to you? So Hannity and I had a different point of view on this. And I think you'll you'll enjoy hearing both sides of the story. Let me know what you think. Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com. Anyway, so Pelosi is uh, now in South Korea. And uh, she visited Singapore and Malaysia before this. Okay, fine. Um, But the Chinese thing bothers me. So China in reply, and China didn't have to do this. They're bellicose, word of the day. They didn't have to do any of this. They could have just said, so what? Pelosi's over there. We don't care. We're going to do what we want to do anyway, which eventually they will. You saw what happened to Hong Kong. Same thing's going to happen to Taiwan. It's a matter of when. All right, what's holding back Xi is that if he attacks Taiwan, then massive sanctions get put on China. And as we reported yesterday, the sanctions are breaking the Russian economy. All right, so China says, ah, oh, we're going to do all kinds of drills and they send all kinds of boats in the Straits of Taiwan to scare the Taiwanese. They're not going to import uh, certain foods anymore from Taiwan, which they did Uh, And there were a lot of cyber attacks. Now, cyber attacks in China, it's serious business. They could shut you down. Um, And, you know, they could shut us down, uh, at least temporarily. So one of my go-to guys in foreign policy is uh, General David Petraeus, okay? And he and I have known each other for a long time. I think he's the smartest guy as far as Americans looking at the overall foreign policy picture. Here's what he said about it. Go. You
1: know, there's a lot of different takes on this, but the one that I think is generally broadly agreed is that there will be uh, repercussions as a result of this. There sort of have to be. Again, President Xi is in the final months of his own reelection campaign in late October, early November. The Party Congress will convene and reelect him for an unprecedented third term. He hoped that everything would be nice and smooth. It has not been, uh, given Russia, given Ukraine, given the economy slowing down, given the real estate uh, developers collapsed and so forth.
0: Okay, so interesting point that the Politburo in Beijing may put pressure on Xi to do something. We don't know. And then Xi would have to do it if he wants to retain his job as president of the country. Now, it's not an election. They don't have elections in communist China. It's like Chinese guys sit around and pick somebody. And a the person they pick is going to do what the Chinese communists want them to do. All right? But they do have economic problems in China. And that could lead to a lot of unintended consequences for them. But there will be repercussions. So does Biden know that? He doesn't know anything. And the big thing is, and I'll go back, and this is absolutely in stone true. Putin and she feared Donald Trump. They don't fear Joe Biden. Why did they fear Trump? It's not that Trump was this Dr. Strange Love guy who was threatening to blow the world up. No. But she and Putin both knew that if you insult Donald Trump, if you make him look bad, he's going to come after you. It doesn't matter whether it's the New York Times or Putin in Moscow. If you embarrass or uh, say terrible things about Donald Trump, he's going to try to get you. Everybody knows that. So that was an inhibitor to Putin and Xi because they didn't know how he would strike back. They know that Biden will do economic sanctions, but he's not going to do anything else, which is okay at this point in history. But they don't fear Joe Biden? They don't fear him, but they did fear Trump. And everybody should know that. Now, on the overall foreign policy as we reported extensively yesterday, the Biden administration has kept in place the CIA and NSA analysts who waxed our here yesterday. And I don't care if I'm pronouncing his name right or not. It's spelled that way. That's the way I'm going to say it. Okay? And uh, I know as much about this as anybody knows because of Killing the Killers. The exact operation that took Zahra Hiri's life, two hellfire missiles, the exact same thing happened to Soleimani. And we take you through it step by step by step in Killing the Killers. So if you haven't really read that book yet, you should Um, It will increase your knowledge. The overall foreign policy that Biden has is, I'm not going to say it's weak because we will go after the terrorists and we're not letting NATO push us around. Um, Putin, as I said, is, is getting punished for what he did. But Mexico, that's the next blow up. Do you realize that the cartels, the drug cartels run the Mexican government? They've run it. And, and all you got to do is look at Obrador. His quote on July 13, 2020, after the cartels murdered uh, all these people, uh, nine Americans, including six children murdered by the drug cartels in November, 2019, Obrador said, quote, we will fight them, the cartels with intelligence and not force. We will not declare war, unquote. So now, okay, uh, Manuel, you lost your country. Cartels do whatever they want to do. I mean, they don't they don't fear Oberdor and half of Obertel, maybe more, are on a take. That that's gonna blow up. You think the border's bad now? Well, you wait and see. All right, and the narcotics traffic coming into this country and the terrorists coming in across that southern border. That's really the worst part of Biden's foreign policy. So anyway, uh, summing up, you know, a mediocre president uh, would be a relief. We have a terrible president, and it's going to play out in China, in Mexico. Putin, I think Putin is taken a loss in Ukraine, so I'm, I'm not sure about the future of Putin. And that is the memo. Now let's bring another point of view, all right, because we always do that on the No Spin News. Darius Carmat. Is a Heritage Foundation Research Fellow. He is an expert in cybersecurity, intelligence, and emerging technologies. He used to be the former chief of staff for the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, under President Trump. And he joins us now from Washington. All right, so you heard me for nine minutes. Did I make any sense at all, <laughs> Mr. Karnak?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this entire, related to the Taiwan question and Pelosi's trip there, I mean, this was really bungled at the, by the administration from the beginning because, you know, still unclear who leaked that trip to begin with. Uh, but then from then on out, it was essentially unclear messaging from the administration if they were going to support that or not. And there was kind of this undertone uh, of telling her that she couldn't go, which essentially just pushed her into, you know, she had to go, uh, in my opinion. And and I, you know, I, I supported and I think a lot of members of Congress actually supported her ability to do it. I mean, Newt Gingrich Uh, went to taiwan in 1997 to less fanfare than what's happening now and so it really just kind of gave oxygen for the chinese and and xi to amplify this even further and kind of make it almost like a, a rock star event which you know we want to be able to be there as a supporting partner in taiwan we have a lot of amazing relationships of with that democracy there Uh, But, you know, this trip, you know, really kind of got sideways by essentially kind of fumbling from the administration.
0: Okay, but did we need Pelosi to go there? Was that important at this juncture in history?
1: Well, she wanted to go. I think this was kind of her swan song. You know, she's I don't
0: care what she wanted to do. Did the country need her to go over there?
1: I do think it's important for us to signal to Taiwan our resolute support of their democracy. Uh, because I think you've seen aggressive action from from China, especially in the last 10 years. I and mean, you know, something that's just been not even noticed by the Western media is the aggressiveness, not just to Taiwan, but aggressive actions by the Chinese in cyberspace and the South China Sea. The development of islands, essentially with military connotations, ready to force projection of its you know theater way out into the Pacific. And so I, I do think it's important, you know, and, and you know, from the, the standpoint of Congress being a co-equal partner, the Speaker of the House being third in line to the presidency, I do think she has the ability and, and, you know, she has every fruition to go to China or to Taiwan if she wants to.
0: All right. But timing is everything. And we're not in a real great place here in the United States right now economically. And certainly our poli- Biden policies are hurting the country. So I I, I If I were Joe Biden, and I would run the country a lot better than he is, I would have told Speaker Pelosi, look, we pick our spots. I've already said, and Biden did say this, if China attacks, we're gonna defend Taiwan. Now, whether Biden meant it or not, or whether we will or not, who knows? We don't know, okay? But those statements have already been made. I would have said, look, you know, stand down on this. We don't want to exacerbate relationship a bad relationship when we've got the Ukraine thing and a lot of other things in the world right now, let's just keep it as calm as we can keep it. Does that make sense to you?
1: I see your point hundred uh, percent. I, what, I, what I think I would say is this whole bungling from the beginning, she was supposed to go there last year. and I don't think it would have been a, as big of news, uh, but once it was leaked. And so those kind of conversations that you, you said, you know, essentially Joe Biden uh, or his white house should have had that conversation with the speaker uh, in the past, if that was the case of what yeah, they really that, felt the scenes. That's the never going to happen.
0: I mean, look at Blinken. Look at the Secretary. say He didn't say one word, not one Blinken word, about this Pelosi trip. Milly did. Millie's said, ah, that is not a good idea. The head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Pentagon, didn't want to go. And Biden going, oh, you know, the Pentagon doesn't want her to go. I, I can't stop her. But the Secretary of State said nothing. Did you hear him say anything?
1: Well, I would say in terms of the secretary of state, it's been telling that when it comes to kind of these really tense moments, you know, who they've sent instead of Tony Blinken to go have, you know, frank conversations with people, including you know, Vladimir Putin. And that was Bill Burns, the CIA, uh, you know, a former longtime, you know, foreign service officer and ambassador. Yeah, they do Blinken.
0: Uh, right. Uh, that's a very good point you're making. All right, on the other aspects of the foreign policy, I'm, I'm sure you supported the uh, waxing of uh, Zara yesterday. I'm sure that was a good thing for America, sends a message. You know, these people are not going to do this, no matter how long it takes, we're going to get them down. I thought that was fine. Uh, I don't know whether you've read my book, Killing the Killers, but you know, we lay out that the uh, Biden administration did not tamper with the uh, terror uh, surveillance overseas, kept what Trump had. But inside this country now terrorists are easily coming across the border and that makes me pretty nervous
1: well that's you know Sal- i mean zawahiri being gone is a, is a great thing to be celebrated i mean 20 years uh, of people looking for him you know my former employee in the intelligence, you know former employer in the intelligence community there's been people have been working on that case people that have died looking for him uh, for a long time so i'm, I'm happy to see his demise uh, but immediately, the question you know begs to differ: of what what intelligence do we have of what's happening in Afghanistan in terms of it being a continued safe harbor for future terrorism, uh, but also this kind of broader network of Al Qaeda networks around the globe. And as you mentioned, you know the Customs and Border Protection have picked up over 50 people that are on the terrorist list yeah. uh, crossing the border just in this last fiscal year. So this is kind of a blinking red alarm, just you know, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And we have uh, tomorrow, we have the head of FBI who's in charge of, you know, CIA and NSA don't do that, uh, testify in, in front of Congress. That's going to be our lead story tomorrow. And I don't have any confidence in the FBI at this point at all. Do you?
1: You know, I think they, they serve a really valuable function when it comes to like the day-to-day workers of what's happening in, for, for a counter-espionage cases, for, for counterterrorism cases. I work with a lot of great individuals there. Who are trying to do their job to protect this country? I do think that there's been problems at some of the senior levels of management at times. Uh, by all means, you know, especially during the Trump administration, there was there were several times of abuse of some of the authorities uh, that you know that have been clearly noted by the Inspector General. Uh, so there's always room for improvement, and uh, you know, I think. Yeah, but Congress- I don't think
0: Christopher Ray. I agree with you, and I know this to be a fact. In New York City, for example. Um, the FBI works very well with the NYPD, and that intel is very strong, all right? But once you get into the suits in your town, in Washington, you got Christopher Wray and a whole bunch of holdovers from that corrupt Comey regime that haven't been replaced. And I mean, I have no confidence in these people at all. But let's get to Mexico, final thing. So my uh, fear is that this whole country is going to blow up, Mexico. It's going, And they're experiencing the same inflation we are. Those people have nothing down there. That's going to be more migrants coming here because they can't make a living down there. Um, Obviously, Obrador can't run the country, um, and the cartels are literally running it. Do you see it the same way?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, look at the southern border right now, and you know, like I said, you're you're talking about you know the lack of you know paying attention to the domestic concerns that are happening just in Mexico alone. Right. Uh, a government that just literally can't support itself in any capacity, barely, uh, in very, you know, like I said, little or no you know, security apparatus. You know, I think there's some connections that we have, you know, to an extent down there, but like you said, the essentially the cartels are running the running the asylum. It's unbelievable. it's a narco state. It's just like Panama under Noriega. And you'll
0: remember uh, Reagan went in there. It was a regular Bush uh, and, and arrested Noriega, the head of Panama, because it was a narco state. But now with this wishy-washy federal government we have, that'll never happen. Uh, Mr. Carmack, thanks very much. I hope you'll come back. Uh, we appreciate your point of view. Um, Ron DeSantis, he was invited on The View uh, yesterday. And remember, ABC News runs The View. This is ostensibly a news presentation, which is ridiculous. There isn't a news person involved with it. Anyway, DeSantis did something very clever. So his deputy press secretary, a guy named Brian Griffin, says, we're not going on The View because, A, Joy Behar called the governor a homicidal sociopath. B, Sonny Hostin called the governor a fascist and a bigot. And C, Ana Navarro called the governor anti-American, and what happens in Florida happens in Venezuela. <laughs> so DeSantis declined the invitation, which he should have. Why would you bother doing that? I've been on the view, I think, 15 times, but I would never go on it again. When Barbara Walter was running it, she was a news person. Meredith Vieira, the fur, you know, one of the first uh you know, primary host, she was a news person. Now, who's, I don't even know what's happening. Why is ABC News running that? It's so irresponsible, so stupid. It's a stupid show. I mean, you just, it, I, I watch dribs and drabs, so I have to keep current of it, but I'm, I'm just, I'm banging my head against the wall. Are you kidding this? So DeSantis, this is an indicator that he is PR savvy. So he could have have just blown off the view, and but he didn't. He put out his press guy and said, look, here's the reason. This is what these irresponsible people do. And again, it's under the banner of ABC News. Hey, Disney, you proud of that? Is that what you want American people to think? Hey, David Muir, the ABC World News Tonight anchor, you proud of that? I could tell you this, Peter Jennings, while he was the anchor, because I work for him, Never in a million years would The View have been under the ABC News banner. Ever. Okay. Um, Also on The View, and I'm just doing this for comic relief, (laughs) that's all. So after uh, Biden whacked Zarahiri, here's what The View ladies did. Go. We make it clear again tonight that no matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, United States will find you and take you out oh he's like Liam Neeson right (laughs) i will find you and i will kill you yeah Yeah. (laughs) now you took a lot of heat for pulling u.s troops out of afghanistan and uh i mean does this not show that you know with drones we apparently don't need boots on the ground to target terrorists no, no, no. It only took 21 years to get Zahra Harry, and he's living in a villa right outside of Kabul. What does that tell you, whoopee? What does that tell you? Ugh. <laughs> and this is, I said this on the radio, and, and it's unfair and cruel. I was unfair and cruel to President Biden. What I said on the radio today was, uh, President Biden allegedly, when he heard Joy Behar compare him to Liam Neeson, His reply was, who? Unfair. All right, let's get to the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. I am not smart enough to know what the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 is. 750 pages. I cannot read it. I will not read it. I don't know. Here's what I do know. That the best business school in the country Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania said, quote, this is about the bill, which spends a whopping $433 billion, almost a half a trillion dollars. That's what this bill spends. Here's what Wharton said, quote, the act would reduce cumulative deficits by 248 billion over a 10-year budget window. It would also slightly increase inflation, until 2024, and decrease it thereafter, unquote. So that's what we need. We need to spend a massive amount of money, $433 billion, to increase inflation. So Manchin, the Democratic senator, who's was a hero to many people because he blocked crazy spending bills in the past, he signed on to this. And now we learn that the reason, one of the reasons he did was that Manchin got a promise from Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, of $6.6 billion sent to West Virginia, his state, for a natural gas pipeline. <laughs> it's a side deal. So they almost bribed Manchin, according to the Washington Examiner. That's who's reporting this, the Washington Examiner. So Schumer got mansion, but the quid pro quo, Latin for this for that, was 6.6 billion to West Virginia. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall fall. Two six five five three two. Our government at work. Now the reason, uh, and I haven't said this before, but you need to know it. The reason that the Biden administration and the liberal Democrats want all of this massive spending is to change the economy. They want to change it from capitalism to quasi-socialism, and they're using climate change to do that all right, to force entire industries either out of business or to do what the government wants them to do, i.e. manufacture electric cars and windmills and all this other bit. It's a power play using global warming as the kind of mask for what's really happened. That doesn't diminish global warming. All right, election roundup, uh, Michigan, big state. So a woman named Tudor Dixon, Tudor, T-U-D-O-R, she won the um, Republican primary for governor. She is a conservative commentator on Real America's Voice. She got 41%. So she will run against Whitmer, who uh, many conservatives despise. Um, The latest polling is Whitmer 51, Tudor Dixon 40. But I think Dixon could beat Whitmer. If she runs a good campaign, that would be a huge victory for conservative forces in America. In the House primaries in Michigan, uh, a congressman named Peter Meyer, who voted to impeach Donald Trump, lost. Okay, lost to John Gibbs. So that's interesting. In Missouri, Eric Schmidt is the winner. He's most likely the new governor. Uh, Missouri is a Republican. That state is firmly red. Um, we don't have the Arizona governorship yet. It's too close to call. In Kansas, uh, there was a referendum on should the Constitution in Kansas remove protections of abortion rights. So they would take that out of the Constitution. It was defeated. 59% to 41%. Interesting. So I I think that most Americans don't want unfettered abortion, you know, late term abortion, all that. But they do not want to ban the procedure. That's the takeaway. Because Kansas is a red state. New Orleans, one of the most interesting cities in the country. I love going there is now the ninth most dangerous place on earth. Let me repeat. The city of New Orleans is the ninth most dangerous place on earth. The murder rate there is 74 killings per 100,000 people. By contrast, Los Angeles, much larger than New Orleans, six murders per 100,000. It's staggering. Why? Same old story. The district attorney of Orleans Parish is a man named Jason Williams, who will not enforce the law. So violent criminals are running wild in the Big Easy. It's always been a troubled city with crime. You can't even go into the Ninth Ward. So if you take a wrong turn and go into the Ninth Ward, you're going to get hit. The police cannot control it. That's how bad this city is. So they elect a guy who says, not enforcing the law, go do what you want. Now, the police department is trying to keep the Bourbon Street French Quarter open for tourism, but even that is dangerous. Now, that's New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, Um, New York Times. I don't know whether you know this, but it has lost 50% of its readers in the last two decades. That's for the paper, the actual paper you pick up. I stopped it five years ago when they attacked me and lied about me, Um, and I will never read it again. My staff reads it and says, well, it's going on over there, fine. Um, They now have a labor problem. This is the liberal New York Times, right? So 1,300 workers want a raise. They want a lot, 8% raise and 5.25% cost of living. That's 13%. They're in the union, News Guild. I'm in AFTRA, uh, SAG union. I'm not in the same union as the newspaper guys. Okay, so this has been going on since March, 2021. There's no resolution. Time says, we're not going to give you the raise. So there's a brawl over there. Now, the New York Times says it's making money on the internet. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't care. CNN, they are going to fall below a billion dollars in profit. If you can imagine these cable uh, networks make billions of dollars, and that's because of me. <laughs> All right? Fox is. You know, Fox was created of nothing. The O'Reilly Factor dominated for 16 years at number one, and we created a... Unbelievable cash cow over there. Well, CNN is losing audience at such a rapid pace, it's down 27% in a year, all right? Below their average uh, is 639,000 people that now their profits are falling and will continue to fall. There was an article yesterday, I, I think it was in the Washington Times, one of those. It said, look, you can't turn around CNN with the same people that Americans know You know, O'Brien Stelter? Come on, you can't do that. But apparently, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Because the company that owns CNN, the new company, Discovery, all right, they aren't going to release a movie called Batgirl or Batwoman, something like that, some bat thing. And they spent a lot of money on it. And they're not releasing it because they say, we don't think it's going to be a bomb, And we're not even going to put it out because we'll lose too much money. So they are, that that company is not in good shape. Shark attacks. So uh, right behind the blue screen that you see me in, about 50 yards is the Atlantic Ocean. And I'm lucky enough to be able to live in proximity to the ocean. Well, a third of Americans, one third of the population, will not swim in the ocean any longer. Because of sharks. Now, is a one in, I don't know what the stat was we used on a radio, but something like one in four million chance or something like that of you getting nipped by a shark. More common to get hit by lightning than nipped by a shark. So it's one in four million, whatever. It's about the same odds that Joe Biden has to be reelected. So you're not going to get bitten by a shark, but this is. The media loves the sharks and whips it up. Last week was shark week, you know? So here are the stats. So far this year, 28 shark attacks in the USA, most on the East Coast. All right, and Long Island, uh, Cape Cod isn't having any. All right, but we've had on Long Island six in the last three weeks. Cape Cod last year, great wipes were all over the place, but apparently the sharks have come down to Long Island. I have. Maybe because I'm here, but I'm not sure. Um, But anyway, so uh, Florida, East Coast, too. And the big boys, the great whites, they're out there. I mean, they don't don't like come in when you're riding a wave. But the little ones, they're annoying, so they're around. But anyway, the shark thing is hysteria. A third of Americans will not go in the ocean. Stay in history, August 3rd, 1981, 13,000 air traffic controllers fired, okay, because they walked off the job. Today is the anniversary of the walk-off. Two days from now, August 5th, is the firing by Ronald Reagan, go. Government cannot close down the assembly line. It has to provide without interruption, the protective services, which are government's reason for being it was in recognition of this that the congress passed a law forbidding strikes by government employees against the public safety it is for this reason that i must tell those who fail to report for duty this morning they are in violation of the law and if they do not report for work within 48 hours they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated end of statement 13,000 out of here. Now, it took the federal government and the uh, air traffic controllers union, PATCO, took um, 11 years to fully recover. But here's the kicker. The airline industry, even in the middle of that chaos, where Reagan fired all the controllers, was not as bad as it is today in America. Think about that. Okay, quick break, and I have a final thought on uh, Vin Scully, the uh, legendary baseball announcer. But more than that, um, it's about my interaction with him and others that I think you're going to want to hear about. And then we have a good mail segment. We'll be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to—has anyone seen the bride and groom? No
1: purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right, let's go to the mail. Now, uh, we said yesterday that concierge membership will enhance your life on BillOReilly.com. It will. And Paul is a concierge member. He says, Bill, I like you because you are a straight up front kind of guy. So why don't you tell your audience that Biden is reading from scripts prepared for him by men like Obama and Soros? Well, I don't know the men-like business, but I can tell you that Barack Obama and George Soros do not prepare scripts for President Biden. Now, men-like, I mean, that's open to interpretation. We know progressives control the White House, and I have reported that in my straightforward way. Wayne, another concierge member. Wayne, uh, appreciate it. Yes, the oil companies are making money, but what is their margin? Wayne, Wayne, I gave you the stats. It's the same margin that it was in 2019 when they were making less than half of the profits. It's the same thing. I mean, look, if you don't want to believe they're gouging, don't believe it. But all I can do is give you the stats. The comparison is frightening. It's the same margin in 19 as it is today for the oil companies. Tom, when you search George Soros on Wikipedia, he's called a businessman and philanthropist. Okay, so why about, I I know you have to use the vehicle on the internet. I do. You know, I use Wikipedia and all this, but you've got to go with skepticism. They're not going to report the truth. They're going to give you prevailing wisdom. Why you never believe anything you read on the internet. Check it out. Paul Butko, Sarasota, Florida. In Joe Biden's economy, some of us are forced to eat in fast food places. Maybe less healthy than other choices, but it's a necessity. Not buying it, Paul. I'm not buying it. You go to any grocery store, you can find inexpensive food that's not going to kill you. You can find it. All right, so that's just an excuse. You want to eat this greasy garbage that's clogging your arteries and making you your immune system weaker? Then that's your choice. But it's not because of inflation. Joe, I got three vaccinations. I'm done. Also, until someone proves the shots work, they didn't stop the spread. I'm not convinced it mitigates the severity of the disease. I'm with you. I'm not getting another vax till I see data. What's it going to do? I get another vaccine in the fall, a new thing from Moderna or Pfizer? Well, what's it going to do? Enough. Tell the people, prove to the people what the vaccine does. Patricia Kalin, O'Fallon, Missouri. Thank you, Bill, for your comments on Sunday's gospel readings. I, too, am Catholic and heard the readings and find them perplexing in the light that the Catholic Church relies so heavily on donations to survive. Well, the Catholic Church has to have donations. I mean, they're not charging you to go to church. They have to keep the lights on. But the what what Patricia is referring to is the vanities. And in, in all the gospels and, and the epistle said, you know, if you go to the vanity and money is one of the vanities, then you're going away from God. But in this modern world, in America, you need money to protect you. You have to have it. And so I'm, I'm like, the priests, when I see them, I said, "You have to explain it in modern terms." They never do. That shouldn't say never; rarely do. Jorge Torres, Hutchinson, Georgia. Bill, I've just finished *Killing the Killers*. Excellent and educational. Thoroughly enjoyed it. *Killing the Killers* has a resurgence because of the terror assassination in Kabul. And again, I hope you take the time this summer to read the book. It will educate you, and it is thrilling in the sense that you're not going to be able to put it down. Uh, Doug Young, Glen Rock, Pennsylvania. I'm a huge fan of the Killing books. I recently read Killing Jesus. I recall you emphatically stating during Easter this year, Jesus was a stonemason. However, in Killing Jesus, several times he's referred to as a carpenter. That is because the translation of what Jesus did to for a living is in Aramaic carpenter. But what I told you is true. There were no trees in Judea. So a carpenter is wood in our society. But back then, if you were a stonemason or any kind of a builder, you were considered a carpenter, but not literally. It's a little confusing, but Jesus and Joseph, his father, were stone cutters. Okay, so uh, we want you to re-up your premium and concierge membership. If you're not a member listening to us on the radio or watching us on the first TV or other vehicles, please consider that. You'll save a ton of money, uh, and we're not charging you a lot. And if you do sign up, you get my upcoming book, uh, Killing the Legends, which is going to be, I think, the most talked about book in the fall, because it's controversial on every level. Uh, you'll get a free, Killing the Legends. And, of course, if you don't have Killing the Killers, you can get that one. It's your choice. Word of the day, do not be a Visigoth, V-I-S-I-G-O-T-H, when writing to us. Back with Final Thought in a moment.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: So here's a final thought today. Vin Scully, who I knew and respected because he was the best baseball announcer in the history of this country, died at age 92. 94, in Hidden Hills, California. He was 94. He broadcasts Dodger games, 67 years. Now, Scully was so intelligent that it was more than a game. He just wove this whole thing, okay? And here is one of the few times he delved into politics. Go.
1: Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. I
0: love him. I love Scully. I, I sat with him in the booth one time in Dodger Stadium. Now, I am a lucky guy because I have access to a lot of very, very successful people. And I use that access to learn. So, for example, Jack Nicholson, I just saw him a few weeks ago. Clint Eastwood. There's Jack. Jack is so smart. Eastwood, another brilliant guy. And they, they tell me all kinds of stuff about how they succeeded and what they did. Willie Mays, my boyhood idol. So we help Willie's charity in San Francisco. Tremendous, tremendous presence. Tom Brady. Okay, I got a signed jersey from Tom in my basement. Uh, it's so intelligent to talk to him. Ken Langone, the head of uh, Home Depot. He founded it. Brilliant economic mind. And he lives around a corner from me. David Petraeus, we mentioned earlier in the broadcast. Uh, The smartest guy on the planet as far as international news is concerned. Finally, Graham Allison, my old professor at Harvard, uh, who I talk to all the time about world events. And, you know, my position here as a commentator worldwide on the no spin news and, and the other things that we do, the radio affords me access to the most brilliant minds in the world. And it really, really enhances not only my life, but this presentation. So Vin Scully, RIP, the best ever. And it was my privilege to even know you. We'll see you tomorrow.